Okay, so when you get to school, you're in the line. There's a mom who gets out of her very, very, very nice SUV. And she has her hair did. She has makeup. She has very nice clothes on. And her kids look, I mean, absolutely kept. Then there's the other mama, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The door slings open. Get out of the car. We're late. <laughs> They're like dragging bags on the ground. You know what I'm talking about. The kids' hair is over there. And, of course, you know. They might be mine, they might not be, that's okay. Um, that mama might be me, but that's okay. Uh, it's very easy to see the way that people look and judge quickly, correct, moms? I mean, like, do you feel the pressure? I mean, I'm not even a mom, but I feel it. I mean, like, I feel like I have to be ready and, oh my Lord, have mercy. When you go to t-ball practice, there are those kids who have the really great gear, Then there's those kids who's, you know, might not have the gear. But, oh, you will find out quickly by the looks from other parents what gear your child should have. It must be their first year. <laughs> we got you to bat fast. Oh, he needs a bat. He needs a, uh, yeah. <laughs> we figured it out. There's expectations. And, of course, we live here in the South, of course, or we have an idea of what the Southern Bell is. No? How do I say this about Southern Bells? I'm going to be nice. I have not grown up here my entire life. So, so the concept was new to me. And I happened to marry someone who, who she tries really good to be a Southern Bell. <laughs> she tries very hard. But I might have just... Married her because she wasn't one, but you know it's the it's it's this pressure in this image. I, I, it was the first year of our marriage, and almost every woman who came to my wife would say, "So have you learned new recipes? What are you cooking for your husband?" <laughs> Moms, wives, no amens. Okay. <laughs> there's expectation, right? There's pressure. There's these patterns and these images. You're supposed to look like this. Agreed. Um, who here works as a mom? You have a full-time job. Okay. Have you felt any pushback from anyone in your life? Whenever they found out you weren't going to stay home with the kids, how did people react about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You can't see the faces, but I can. <laughs> That's what I see. How about this even? Some moms who had jobs... And then when you had kids, you decided to leave work and stay home, and you got the same reactions from people. Right? Come on. Here's the best one, the Target trip. When you're in Target going through the aisles, and your child just decides that they have to have that toy, and they start screaming, right? This isn't Walmart. Of course, I haven't at Walmart. No one cares at Walmart, okay? But at Target, when you're going through Target... And your child starts screaming, like, that's when you have to go faster and hold her. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, look, there's a toy. Oh, look, oh, shh, 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 quiet. Because if you don't, when you get around the decor aisle, (laughs) come on, you know what I'm talking about. Those mamas will look at you, (laughs) right? Because their child is sitting there silent. I mean, absolutely silent, just, you know. Now, again, there is... There's patterns and pressures. Yeah, you know, as moms, you have this, this, 
The expectations of everyone is on you at all times. You are constantly uh, being judged, being compared. There is this, again, this pressure that is on you to look a certain way, to behave a certain way, to do things a certain way. Now, we're tied into Revelation, okay? There is a pressure which is on all of us. Moms seem to get even more of it than we do. But there is a pressure and a pattern for us to begin to live a certain way, to look a certain way, to be successful a certain way. Uh, there are some people in my family who are just sweet, sweet people. But when they found out that I wanted to be a minister, they did the, oh, that's a terrific idea, Devin. Then they turned to my parents, how's he going to make any money? They said, we're still trying to figure out. We don't really know. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. <laughs> but we all feel this pressure. There is a, a pressure to fit a mold, you know. Um, success, it looks a certain way, right? I mean, if I were to walk in here with tattered shoes, uh, my hair not kept, if you would, uh, smelling, okay? And if I were to stand here before you, there are a few of you who would say, that looks like a successful pastor. I want to follow that guy. I mean, come on, be honest, right? How about this? If I even just shaved my face and you saw how young I really look, <laughs> yeah, you're laughing now, but you'd be walking out the door. I'm not letting that high school student teach me anything, you know? <laughs> but there's constant pressures for us in this world. Now, um, in Revelation, one of the things that we see here, there are two marks. Now, um, you know, you've probably heard of the mark of the beast. Who here has heard of the mark of the beast? 666, and it's going to be here and, and here, right? Yeah? So do you guys know that there's also a mark of the lamb? Everyone go, what are you talking about? Now, we talked about this in the first week of our series. We talked about how it's so easy for us to miss the point um, of this entire book. And the point of this book was Christ. It's not the Antichrist. It's to reveal who Jesus is, not who Satan is. And so, in these scriptures, the emphasis is always on the Lamb. It's always on Jesus. It's never really on Satan. It's always about focusing on staying faithful to Jesus. And so, what's interesting about this passage Revelation 14 is that we have two marks. Again, the mark of the beast, but also the mark of the lamb. Now, in the book, the major theme of, the, of this entire book is this. Who will stay faithful to Jesus? Meaning, when things get difficult, when things get hard, who is going to be the adulteress? Who's going to be the adulteress in the room? And who's going to be the faithful virgin? Amen. You guys excited? He wants to be the faithful virgins. My goodness. <laughs> hey, it's what we're talking about, okay? And so what goes into this passage, into this idea, again, it's the idea of faithfulness. Who is going to be able, who's going to choose to stay faithful to the way of the Lamb in face of the pressures of the beast? Because in chapter 13, we see this, this, uh, how would you put this? This image of how the beast is going to coerce people uh, into his sign. If you would, if, uh, chapter 13, verse 16 through 18. 
It says this, It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Now, in verse 15, it actually also talks about how the beast is going to be able to coerce. It's going to force people to follow him. It's going to force people into his ways and his patterns because if they do not follow him in his ways, what's going to happen to them is they're going to be killed, murdered. And so what's going on in this again, we had this image where we have just seen the way of Jesus, the way of the Lamb. And so the image of what it means to follow Jesus is the slain lamb, meaning for everyone who comes after Jesus, they're going to have to live in a way that looks like this innocent, slaughtered, meek, mild, humble, powerless, dependent, slaughtered lamb. But anyone who chooses to, to be unfaithful to Jesus, anyone who allows the pressures of the beast to move on them, to conform them, they're going to leave the lamb and choose to live life following the way of the beast. And so the question of this book is always the same. Who is going to make it to the end? Who's going to stay faithful to Jesus in the end? And in chapter 14, faithfulness is about resistance. It means in the face of the powers of the beast, where he is going to push and pressure and and shove, and there's going to be all of these currents that are going to move us into following his way. Because again, the mark of the beast, these symbols of the hand and the head, it's a symbol of, again, the practice and the understanding of those who would choose, again, to follow the thinking and the activity, the ways of the beast or the way of the cross. And what takes place here is this challenge for us. Are we going to allow the pressure of the beast to conform us into its image? Or are, are we going to resist it and to live our lives in protest? Now, there's lots going on here. It's Mother's Day, so we're going to take it slightly... Mm, we'll stay on the surface this morning because there's so much to unpack here. But in this whole thing, the one thing that jumps out to me in this passage is that there is a song that breaks out. Chapter 14, uh, verse 2. Here's what he says. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song. Now, if you pause there with me, last week we talked about the image of Jesus, meaning how God was going to conquer the world. And so here's John in the throne room, and he's hearing about all of the evil on the earth and how God is going to conquer the evil. And so he's, he hears his angels say, oh, look, it's the lion of Judah who has the power to have victory. And so he's looking to find the lion, meaning this is how God's going to conquer the world. And he's looking and looking, and of course he can't find the lion, and he only finds the what? The lamb. 
And so it's, it's this image of how God is going to conquer his enemies. It's the image of what it means to be faithful to God. To be faithful to Jesus is to follow Jesus in being sacrificially loving. And what takes place here, when he sees this, then he, he begins to hear about the angels talking about the prayers of the saints and all of the years of expectation and hope and people crying out to God, but there's an answer. And it says, and now there's a new song. And this new song that's breaking onto the earth is, is, is the song of how God is going to make all things right. And this same song is breaking out here. And, and it says this, and I just love this. And it said, no one could learn the song except 144,000 who had been redeemed. This morning, the focus of this morning really is the song. Because, see, what's interesting is that those who follow the Lamb have a mark. Those who follow the beast have a mark. But the one thing that's different about those who follow the Lamb, they don't only have a mark, but they also have a song. Now, this sounds a little cheesy. Let's talk about songs. What's important uh, in a song? Uh, if you would, the image I got was of headphones. Okay, who's been to a decent-sized city? Okay. So when you're walking the city, everyone has a pace, right? Everyone walks at a certain speed. So when you first got to that city, name it in your head. When you're walking the sidewalk, you left your hotel, what's the first thing that you experienced? Holler it out. Do what? Yes, yes, everyone shared their phones. Something else. What else has happened? You found out how slow you walk? How about that? A bunch of country southern folk, right? Hey. Do what? Yes. Exactly. Oh, he got boots on. One of them. Yeah, okay. What you found out is that you move at a much slower pace than they do, correct? Okay. You walk like this, and they walk like what? Agreed? Okay. And so the first thing that happened to you was you had to choose. Am I going to stand out, or am I going to blend in? Okay? Am I going to continue to go at my pace, or am I going to go with the flow? Because if you don't, what happens? You stand out. So if you walk too slow, you stand out. If you talk too slow, right? You stand out, correct? Whenever we moved here from Pennsylvania, we went to order at McDonald's. It was after seven minutes of trying that they asked us to come, to come inside to order. You just, you're just talking too fast. <laughs> you're talking too fast. No, 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 no. Would you just come inside? They had no clue what we were trying to say. Stupid Yankees, I guess, you know. We're talking too fast. And now, whenever I travel up north, what happens to me? I walk too slow and I talk too slow. So, there you go. And what happens is if you don't speed up, if you don't rush, if you don't fall in line, you stand out. Even in this small way, there are pressures when you begin to walk in the crowd, again, if you slow down, people start to what? They start to bump you and to hit you and to move you. Um, 
Who's been on a subway system before? When those doors come open, do you have a choice to walk slowly? No. If you do, it will close on your leg, <laughs> correct? Now, it's kind of funny stuff, but at the same time, these are images uh, that are on the surface of something that is real, but it's deeper. If you do not conform to the way this world works, if you try to resist, if you try to slow down, it will begin to push you. It will begin to nudge you. It will begin to apply pressure to you. And what happens in this is that without even knowing it, we begin to kind of go with the flow. We just begin to kind of walk faster, and we begin to talk faster. We begin to learn how to fit in, how to not stand out. Now, for us as Christians, we have this challenge. The challenge is for us is to be kingdom people. We live by the will of God. We focus on Jesus and the kingdom of heaven, and we are citizens from somewhere else and all this kind of stuff in the Scriptures. But the problem is, is that we don't even know how to start that. All we know is, is that right now things are smooth. If I move with people, if I, if I just kind of let myself go with the current of life, then it's easier. There's less resistance. But the moment I begin to put my feet down and I begin to slow down, I begin to feel the pressure. Um, who's gone through patterns in your life to where you would get serious about God? You get serious about your calling, about the church, and then all of a sudden, all the junk in your life breaks loose. Has anyone experienced this? Okay, everything's just easier if I just go with the flow. But if I begin to put my feet down and to resist, if I slow down, if I start to push back against the current, there is resistance. Now, this is what this passage is about. If you are going to follow Jesus and the ways of Jesus, because the way it says there in chapter 14, it says that these people who hear the song are those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Sounds a lot like when Jesus was teaching about what it meant to be His disciple, that you would have to follow Me. That those who are faithful, those who make it to the end, are those who resist and they fight the current and they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. But when they do this, there's going to be pressure that's going to be applied to them. So to kind of have fun with this, because this is Mother's Day, we have to have some fun. All right, so we have three songs that kind of communicate something to you. Now, the idea is this. When you guys are out and about, when you're stressed out, when there's, when there's too much going on, there's a way to escape. Who has these? Okay? You're at the gym. You're walking down the street. You're in the car with your kids. They're going absolutely nuts. And you decide that I'm done with the noise. <laughs> Correct? I was thinking about this idea, but I forgot I had this on. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to try it. So, three songs to give you examples of this. There is a way that songs and music that influence us. Play that first song, would you? See how this works. See if this works or it's not. Oh, oh, you feel it? All right, now, that's kind of a fast beat, right? If I had my headphones in, would I be able to walk like this? Oh, come on, put it up. Mother's Day. All right, now try this, try this. Try to beat. Try it, come on. I know we're all white, try it. 
How hard is this? You want to do this. Correct? All right, stop that one. Okay. Point made, right? The moment that you begin to plug into this, this rhythm, this song, it's hard to fight it. Correct? So, when you guys get onto the treadmill, if you were to play this one, you would lose some pounds. Correct? But if you played this next song, we'd have some issues. Go ahead and play that, DJ. Go ahead. Mm. All right, try this. All right, go ahead. Come on, come on. I, I, I can't. I can't. Please, please stop. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You cannot have that in your head and be sprinting full speed around the track. If you do, we need to lay hands on you, okay? That's, there's, <laughs> we want to talk about like, uh, okay. We'll leave Kenny G there and I won't make any other jokes about it, okay? We're safe. All right, but if I had to guess, I would guess that the rhythm... The song of the lamb sounds like this one. Yeah, you feel that? Mm, kind of walk through that, you see? Yeah. See that? <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Mike. We're laughing at me, Mike. Okay, we're good. We're good. Oh, you feel it? Okay. <laughs> I almost started dancing for you, Mike. Almost. Almost. Kept it locked. All right, here's the thing. If you are surrounded by a noise and a pattern and pressures and currents and a rhythm, say, for example, that I'm playing that first song, and everyone in this room, your heart just starts going like this. If I don't want to move to that, if I don't like the way it makes me feel, if I don't like the way that's kind of trying to speed me up and trying to push me and pressure me, what I can do is I can always plug into something different. And what I can do is even though everyone in this room is moving to a certain rhythm, what I can do is I can plug into a different song and I can move to a different rhythm. The image here is not about the the faithful people being able to hear an actual song. It's not about that. The song is showing that only those who choose to follow the Lamb are able to move with what God is doing. Do you get it? When the people who choose to follow the Lamb, when they plug in, they begin to hear and to learn what Jesus is really doing on the earth. For example... When I look at the cross and I see Jesus dead, he's lifeless, he's not breathing, he's bleeding out. There is no one on the earth who looks at that and says, he's victorious, he's conquered death. Everyone else says, actually, he lost, his enemies killed him, and he is dead. He hasn't conquered death because, look, it conquered him. But like in chapter 4, what heaven sees when it sees the Lamb. What heaven sees when it sees the cross is the opposite of what we see. And only when we begin to follow in His way do we learn the song. Does it begin to make sense to us? Living your life for everyone else around you, living your life as if you are 
dead, to carry your cross every day, to follow Jesus into this way of being a lamb, a slaughtered lamb. This makes no sense to us. We don't get the rhythm. We don't get the beat. It makes no sense. But when you begin to follow him, when you press in, when you are committed to the way of Jesus, and you begin to just, and you plug in, all of a sudden you begin to learn the song of the lamb who was slain. This is very hard for us to unplug from a literal way of reading the passage. But understand this, there is, this song is symbolic that in heaven, every time that whether it's an angel or human, every time that they have their eyes opened and they begin to see what God is doing on the earth, all of a sudden they begin to break out in song. It's a picture of how every time the Spirit moves on them and their eyes are opened, they begin to get carried away in a new rhythm, in a new current. Uh, Who's been into a pool before and they did, it's like the tidal wave, what's it called? Like, whatever. What? What? A lazy river. What was that? Whirlpool. Okay. So everyone goes in the same direction. Okay. Everyone's going in the same direction. And it just gets going so strong that guess what? It's easy for you to do what? Just kind of take your feet up and kind of flip with it. It just kind of takes you with it. What happens whenever you have 50 people going one direction and then one person goes, this is stupid. I'm going to go this way. What happens? Okay, I mean, they are barely able to stand the ground. It's pushing them, they're sliding, they're sliding. But as this person, they resist. It, it begins to break up the flow. It only takes one person to dramatically affect this, this power. And all of a sudden, when that one person begins to stand, if someone else chooses to stand with, all of a sudden, it's amazing. It, it only takes maybe a tenth of the people to break the flow that it takes to create the flow. Have you experienced this before? No? You guys didn't go to summer camp? Okay. I was always the one who's like, this is stupid. I'm doing my own thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But the moment that you get someone else to join with you and you begin to go against all of a sudden that you begin to disrupt this force that's carrying everyone else along. And so here in chapter 14, it's, a, it's this image. You have the entire world is bowing down to the beast. The entire world is caught up because the pressure is moving them a certain direction. And you have this small group, 144,000 if you would, and, and it's symbolic of this small group of those who would stay faithful and that they would resist what Satan is trying to do on the earth. And they would stand still and they would begin to imitate the way of Christ because as they begin to resist, all of a sudden the song makes sense to them. All of a sudden that they begin to get what God has been doing since the beginning. And as they begin to do this, all of a sudden it begins to allow others to join into the stream and we begin to break up this pressure that's pushing and carrying everyone away. those of you guys who are Bible scholars for this morning, obviously I'm not able to go in depth and, and all the historical things that are going on here and all the things that are symbolic and all that, but, the, but there is a theme that is being carried through this chapter, which goes all the way back to the Gospels with Jesus, that those who would be faithful, those who would be the followers of Jesus, must take a path that the world is going to view as stupid, as silly, as peculiar, 
And the Apostle Paul says that it's Christ crucified that is the wisdom of God. It shows how brilliant, how intelligent, how smart, how wise God is, and it's also the power of God. It, Christ, the Lamb slain, is the ultimate image of the wisdom of God and the power of God. But we don't get it until we begin to follow in it. Now, in a more practical way, this passage begins to kind of hit us in, in very small ways in life. One of the things that the Apostle Paul talks about often is finding ourselves in Christ. The idea that who we really are is not hidden in the world. It's, it's not in the opinions of this person or the expectations of this person or this person says, for you to be a great dad, for you to be a great mom, here's what it looks like. Someone who's successful looks like this. Someone who's smart looks like this. Someone who's manly looks like this. Someone who's a beautiful woman looks just like the magazine cut out. Who was that? Uh. That's awesome. Whoever you are, you rock. Huh? That's great. Uh. She needs to eat something, right? I love that. That's the idea, though. It is this... There is these, this pressure. And now, Romans says it like this. Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to view God's mercy, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here's the big one if you're taking notes. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is these patterns. It's the world, because of the prince of the earth, he is pressuring and pushing us. And it starts in these tiny, small things. This current to live for money. It seems so silly and small, but this small current that gets you to begin to live for things and not for people, this small current that tells you that what matters in life is you being happy, that's what matters the most. This small current that tells you that for you to be successful, you've got to, to have a, a, a huge business, you've got to have a huge savings, you have to have a boat and the vacation home, and this thing, that this current that tells you that, you know, if you're really attractive, then then. You should be attracted by other people's spouses. And that, you know what, to be really happy, what you really want is not your wife. What you want is a woman who looks like this image. And wife, for you to be beautiful and to be desired by your husband, you shouldn't look like how you really look. You should look like this. It's these little tiny things. And every time that we don't fight the current and we allow it to carry us and we allow it to carry us, all of a sudden these pressures, these, these currents begin to build up. And all of a sudden... We look back and our lives, our entire lives, are built on things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And it's these patterns of this world. It's the small things. It's the pressure to do, do, do. Because you know what? To be a good parent, you need to let your kid do anything and everything that they want to do. So that means if your kid wants to, to be on six teams and he wants to play four sports and he wants to be uh, he wants to be involved in everything at church we'll be fair to everybody okay 
If you're a good parent, you, you should be so busy. Your minivan should be full of junk because you're taking your kids everywhere. <laughs> Come on, that sounds good. These, these small pressures, these small pressures that begin to just to move us. And it is these ways that we begin to lose sight of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We have lost sight. We've lost hold on what it means to truly be followers of Jesus. And in that process, we have lost sight of who we really are. Because when you allow these currents to move you and to shape you and to push you, all of a sudden you begin to not only lose sight of who God is, but you lose sight of who you are. One of the hardest things um, as a parent was just learning that there are all these pressures. And I had to learn, had to rethink even in my own mind, what does it mean to be a good dad? Even in things that seemed good. To me, a good dad was someone who was so sold out to the kingdom of God that, you know, I would have this great legacy. And of course, for me, the challenge was, yes, that has value, but to be a good dad, you have to be a present dad, right? And there's all these pressures on us. And of course, moms and wives in the room, it seems that you guys even get more of it than we do. And there are all these pressures that tell you who you are. And the one thing that in counseling I've seen the most is that in the process of having kids and being married and getting them to soccer practice on time and trying to make sure they have food and their homework's done and they're clean and all this, that somewhere in the process, they just kind of lost the concept of who they are. Who am I? What am I really here for? And outside of being a mom, outside of being a wife, who am I? Outside of being dad, outside of being a father, outside of being a provider and working my job, who am I outside of these things? And of course, being a parent is crucial. It's, it's, it's so vital. And it's part of our kingdom calling is to be moms and to be dads. But you're also more than that. And sometimes just the pressure of just trying to be a good mom, to be a good dad, is so much weight that it's hard to have time for anything else in our lives. And so in the Word, it's a funny connection. But for us, to be followers of Jesus, it means that we would live our, our lives, that we would walk, in this new rhythm, that even though the entire world around us is being hurried and they're being rushed with this rhythm that's so fast and it's so forceful that everyone is busy, 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 we're going, 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 have to do all these things, have to make money, have to make sure the kids have this, have to make sure we do this, and we're so busy, we have appointments and to-dos and all the stuff that has to get done, and there's just current. To follow Jesus, even in this practical way, means for us to plug in, to put the headphones, if you would, of the kingdom on, that we would begin to live our lives by a different 
rhythm. Even if everyone around us is, is running and rushing and they're frantic and they're worried and they're striving and they're fighting and they're stressed and they're worried, we are moving at a different pace than the rest of the world. And the way that we move, the way that our lives are built around having face time with our kids, the way that we protect time with the Lord, the way that we protect time with our family, the way that we model to them being parents who, who value being present with our kids, all of these things are supposed to be protest, resistance to the way of the world. And even in these small things that the world would see, there's something that's different about these people. There's something about them that I want. I don't want to be pushed and, and rushed through my week to where every night I only have the strength to lay in bed and pass out. I want to have a life where I have time, where I have energy, where I am present emotionally and mentally, where I'm, I'm not just a mom. I'm not just the one who takes in the practice. I'm not just the one who gets them dressed, but I also know who I am. I have a calling. I have purpose, and I matter as well, and I have time for myself, and I have time with the Lord, and all this starts in this very simple practice of having to learn to resist the flow. This deep theological understanding in the Scriptures, it starts in this very simple way. We have to be people who are careful to live life in a different rhythm. When we sense that our lives begin to be about things, about, about successes, about money, about stuff, we have to push back. When we sense that our schedule is hectic and busy and and we see the stress and the business on our kids and on us, we have to push back and resist. And in these small ways, in these small ways, it's us holding on to Jesus and holding on to ourselves. And in this time of resisting, as we follow in the way of the Lamb, we begin to see what it's like to live our lives in this new rhythm. And what this new rhythm is, is this. We begin to live with the only pressure being to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You do not have to be a mom like these moms. You don't have to be a wife like these wives. You don't have to conform to any other expectation but that of Christ. You are not called to be anyone else. What you are called to be is you're called to be fully yourself, unique, fully you, as you fully follow Jesus. You're not supposed to be your mom. You're not supposed to be like your sister. Man, we can go into all that fun stuff, right? You are supposed to be free from all the expectations of everyone else. And your only call as a Christian is to follow Christ with all your heart. And in doing that, you will find a freedom in being exactly who you are and the freedom that comes when being exactly who you are as you're following Christ. Because as you begin to follow Christ, you begin to learn His song. Meaning, as you begin to try to follow Jesus, all of a sudden, it all begins to unfold to you. And that's when God begins to show up in your life and begins to transform everything from the inside out. Would you guys stand with me this morning?
We should put that jam back on almost, you know? That was, that was good. I like that one. Here's the deal. Those who are seen as faithful, those who make it to the end are those who follow Jesus. That's a scary, daunting task. Here's where it starts. Everywhere in your life where you feel pressure to conform, to be like something or to look this way or to be perfect or that your life should have lots of money or lots of success or lots of this or lots of that. When you feel the pressure, your job is to do this, to stop and to resist. That's your job. And when you begin to resist, when you begin to push back against all these pressures that are not Christ, that are not the Scriptures, in that place is where you will begin to encounter more of Christ. In that song, if you would, the way of Jesus will begin to make more and more and more sense to you in that process. So Father, we just come to you this morning and Holy Spirit, I ask that you just bring in the room just that there just be a freedom here today. Uh, I ask that there just be a freedom to to let down the pressures and the weights, the expectations of the people around us, of even our friends who have good intentions, our family who has good intentions, uh, the pressures and expectations of our jobs or being moms or being uh, dads, being spouses, that we would be able to leave all those expectations behind today. That the only expectation we would live our life by is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that we would live as people who love more, who give more, who live our lives for others more, that that would be the only urge, the only pressure, the only call that we would follow in this life.